Relationships are interesting and they're always unique depending on the kind of relationship we have with a person will determine what kind of influence they could have over us. Positive, hopefully, sometimes not so positive. And Apostle commenting on the Pasuk in, today, in this week's parasha, which says, What happens if your brother, who is the son of your mother, tries to tempt you, or your son, or your wife, or or a friend who is like your own soul, like your own person, who secretly comes to you and says, let us serve God forbid other idols, then there's a particular way that you have to respond. So Pirish Rashi, Rashi analyzes these various categories and he says, as it says, your brother, that's mean me'op, that means that you share the same father. Or the son of your mother, that's a maternal brother. Somebody who you love like yourself, that is your father. Then you move on. There's something about this Rashi that doesn't seem to make sense because How come it is that when the Torah gave the list of these various relatives who may tempt a person to inappropriate beliefs, how come it doesn't include the possibility of a mother or a sister having that kind of influence over a person? And why it's a question with regards to Rashi is seeing as this is a question which stares you in the face when you read the Pasuk at face value, and Rashi doesn't address it at all. And we've already explained multiple times that Rashi will always address anything at all that is difficult in the simple understanding of the Pesukim. And if for whatever reason Rashi cannot find an explanation that suits the simple understanding, then then he'd write, I don't know how to explain this according to Pshat or something along those lines. The fact that Rashi doesn't comment, we have to say, that as far as Rashi is concerned, it's self-understood why a mother and a sister are not on the list of people who could influence a person to go off the rails. Or at the very least, Rashi has already discussed something earlier on in Chumash that will help us to understand it. So why is Rashi so comfortable with the idea that the Torah doesn't believe a mother or a sister could tempt a person to idolatry? Maybe the easiest way to answer it, the would be through introducing another question, which is, if, as Rashi points out, the Torah is giving us a list of people who are dear to us, who are close to us, then why doesn't it just say the simplest person of all, if you're talking about people who you have a close, meaningful, dear relationship with, should include your dear friend. Your good friend, because Rashi says, is your father. What about a friend? A friend could have tremendous influence over a person. We know all about peer pressure. So one of the commentators on Rashi, Hara'im Kosav, he says, actually, it, it is included. Because the Ra'im reads into Rashi, who says, the one who is like yourself, like your soul, means your father. That actually, the, the word oy is missing over there, meaning, The aim is reading into Rashi, that Rashi understands the Pasuk, that it says, Should actually be read, your friend. Oy, or alternatively, Somebody who is like your own self, your soul, which is your father, 
So the aim is of the view that Rashi believes that the Pasuk actually has on the list of potential influences or tempters a good friend. That's the Ra'im's opinion, but Omnam Koshalinkit came Pirish Rashi. It's quite difficult to see that in Rashi's own words. Because Rashi typically writes things as clearly as possible. If Rashi wanted to distinguish between Re'achom meaning your friend and Ashekin Avshachom meaning your father and the two separate people, he would have said so. As he said in his explanation of this Pasuk, Oi Beni Mecharat, because he said that you have Ochicha, your brother, meaning from your father, and then he says, Oi Beni Mecha, or a brother who is only from your mother's side. Especially when you consider Usually when you have a sentence that has the conjunction Asher, which is the simplest understanding will be that it is an explanation for the word that precedes it. What is Reacho? Asher, that is Kenafshecho. So therefore, if Rashi really did believe, as the Re'aim wants to suggest, that there's a difference between Re'achah, your friend, and Ashkenafshah, your father, Rashi really would have clarified that, and he doesn't. So then, alternatively, we'd have to explain that Rashi's intention, I'll call upon even if it is going to be a bit of a stretch. That may be by using that expression, your friend, who is like yourself, it's actually alluding to two elements. Not two separate categories. Rather, it's like a broad statement that when the Torah says, your friend who is close to you, like yourself, that includes the full spectrum of all kinds of very deep personal friendly relations, relationships that are like yourself. Which would include your father, and it would include your own good, good friend. And therefore the only one Rashi has to spell out for us is the one that you wouldn't immediately click from the simple understanding of the Pasuk, which is which is actually in a sense like the highest of all the influences on a person's life, in the category called your very good friend, So Rashi only had to say that one because you might not have clicked it on your own accord, but actually means a whole spectrum of different kinds of people, including the very close friend. If we're going to go with that approach, we're going to say that your friend who is like yourself, like your own soul, that includes that would include all categories, including categories that are not stated clearly in the Pasuk, like a mother and a sister. And maybe that's the answer. Rashi's not bothered by the fact that the Torah excludes a mother and a sister from having an influence because it belongs to the broad category of all those people who are close to you. Maybe that's the answer. But that would still leave us with a couple of questions. Firstly, how come it is that a paternal brother, a maternal brother, a father, they're all listed. A son is listed. Why then, Dafka, would a mother and a sister not be listed in the Pasuk and left to the broader category of close, close, beloved people in our lives? Doesn't seem to make sense. 
base, secondly, yes, sir, okay, and it's actually a more uh, stark question. Seeing as Rashi is telling us that the Pasuk here describes those people who are very beloved to us. Surely, if the Torah is telling us about people who we are very close to and we cherish, a mother should be on that list. A mother is typically beloved to a person more than a half-brother, brother from the father, and even more than the father himself. Which is why, which surely then means if somebody is very beloved in a person's life, maybe that's who you have to be most wary of their influence and their possibility of tempting you. Why is she not on the list? Rashi, I'm sure you remember Rashi explains the ill Bapashas Kedoshim earlier on in Pashak Doshim Alapasuk Ish Imoi Vi Tiro that a person should be in awe or fear his mother and his father. Says Rashi there, when it comes to the Asesa Dibros and it says you have to honor your parents, it says father first. Why? Because it is clear. That a child by nature, a son by nature, respects and honors his mother more than his father, because she encourages and, and builds him up with her words. So therefore, surely a mother is somebody who has a tremendous influence over a child. She should definitely be on this list of those who are beloved and cherished to us, and potentially therefore could have a great influence over us. So we're missing something over here. Why is the mother and the sister, why are the mother and the sister not on the list? clearly of people who could maybe drag a person into the realm of God forbid idolatry. To understand this, we're going to look at another general principle that Rashi always teaches us. Rashi teaches us many times that the Pasuk will always discuss the most common example. Actually, in this Pasuk itself, it says, what happens if the person who tries to tempt someone to avoid a Zorah approaches them in secret? There, Rashi says, that's the normal case. That a person who tries to entice somebody to idolatry will typically only do it in silence, in secret, in quiet. Which implies, Whenever Rashi teaches us this principle that the Torah will speak in the most common example of how things should play out, it's not only that, that if there are two ways that the Pasuk could have said something, the Torah will choose the one that is most common or most, uh, most likely. In fact, sometimes Rashi is indicating that the Torah will specifically add to the language or add to the way that it says something in order to describe the most common example of a nidon didan tevas baseser, like in our pasuk where it adds an additional word in secret to illustrate to us that it's most likely that a person will try to tempt somebody in secret. So because Rashi shows us that the Torah always speaks about the most common scenarios, what are we talking about in this passage? We're talking about the kind of person who would have that influence. Somebody who could entice you. 
Well, who are we talking about over here? We're talking about a person. Who's the person? The person has the potential. It could be the father, could be a child who has an influence over them. So now we know who we're dealing with. It's a person who is an adult. And he has his own family, and not just his own family, but his children are obviously also older children. Otherwise, how could they possibly have this influence over him? So therefore he now, So if you're looking at an adult person who already has mature children, the most likely scenario is that who could influence such a person? At that stage of life, the most common influences on the person's life are from those categories listed in the Pasuk, and the least likely to have an influence over this person at this stage of life would be his mother or his sister, and we'll explain why. The concept of trying to tempt a person to serve idolatry could come from two possible angles. One way is through rational debate. Why don't you do this? It makes sense. So the only way that could happen if there was some kind of a rational argument to serve idolatry would require that it's somebody who has that kind of influence, who has that intellectual prowess, that they could actually influence a person to listen to their arguments and say, you know what, maybe I have to reconsider my belief system. So that's one way. It would require somebody who is compelling in order to get the person to go down that road. Or, or it could just be the impact of a person's surroundings, where they hang out, who they hang out with, peer pressure. So if you hang out with a particular group of people, that that person or those people could entice the individual and influence. They could schlep the person into idolatry even without a compelling rational argument. Okay, So either there's a rational argument, which means there's somebody who has that kind of intellectual power, or there's peer pressure argument, and that just sucks a person into a behavior that doesn't necessarily make sense. Umoven. So it's self-understood, that even if you go with the first approach, which is solid, logical arguments in favor of a particular theology, that says, in order to attempt a person, to tempt a person to serve idols, in the most normal way, the most likely place that that kind of rational argument will begin is from somebody who has a personal relationship and even a family relationship. Until you get to a point where there is so much influence that that the person can actually get the person to serve idolatry, and particularly in secret. In other words, how do they get into the secret? How do they have this access? How can they speak to you? It must be that there's a clear, personal, deep relationship, like a family relationship. So if you think about it, these are kind of two categories that the Pasuk addresses. It speaks about two possibilities of the brother, the brother that shares the same father, the brother that shares the same mother. If a brother, who's not even a full brother, is going to have an influence over somebody, it would most likely be with the heavy, rational arguments in favor of this particular way of service. And even more than that would be the influence of a father. 
Because a father will always have a very strong influence over the thinking and belief system of his own son. But when you talk about the influence from a son or a daughter or a wife, the wife that you have this special relationship with, that's not going to be the argument which is founded in very, you know, developed, logical, rational argument. Because that's completely counterintuitive. That a son, a daughter, or a wife would have that strong cerebral influence over their father or over their husband to convince them rationally to change their belief system. To influence the person to abandon the service of Hashem. And now to pursue other gods. So how then would a son, a daughter, or a wife schlep somebody into idolatry? It's because of that personal emotional relationship. A person will follow their children because they love their children so much. A person will be influenced by their wife because of the emotional bond that they have with their wife. So there are two possibilities, intellectual influence or emotional influence. Depending on who somebody is in a person's life will determine what potential for influence they may have. Now, but when you consider that even the first approach, the big rational approach of the time of with strong arguments in favor of a particular belief system, but say, sir, that happens in secret. As we've already explained, would only really happen once there's already a relationship. Otherwise, how would this person get into your head? The Torah was quite happy to lump them all together and in ascending order. The first person who may have that kind of influence is a paternal half-brother. He is part of your family. They share something. What do they share? They're both heirs to the same father, which means that there's a unique bond between them. So because they stand to deal with practical elements of the father's estate, they will encounter each other. Therefore, there's a potential for crossover and for influence. Then, the next level up is a, a brother who shares the same mother. Why is that a level up? Because, um, sorry, skip something over there. So because they share the same mother, the nature is that they'll actually be physically, emotionally closer to each other than if they were just, so to speak, technical brothers who have to work out the estate of their father. Then beyond that, influence of children over a parent. Then so the influence of a wife over a husband, which is very intense emotional input. And then beyond all of that is the friend who you consider like yourself. Which is why the Pasuk presented them in this particular order, because the Pasuk wants to illustrate to us that there are increased potential levels of influence described in this Pasuk, all because of relationship, and then either the nature of a logical argument based on that relationship or the nature of a very strong emotional pull because it's such a deep relationship. Once we understand that that's the flow of the Pasuk, we're looking for meaningful relationship and then either the weaker 
ironically, influence of intellectual argument and the stronger influence of emotional pull, we could then understand why the Pasuk excludes a sister or a mother. It's not likely, it's not common, that once a person is an adult with his own family who themselves are mature, it's unusual that he should have that very close relationship still with his sister. Which who you could assume at this stage has a family and responsibilities of her own. It's unlikely to imagine that the sister will still have so much sway over him to be the one to tempt him to serve idolatry. So she doesn't belong on the list. Because it's unlikely she'll have that influence. Likewise, with regards to her mother, even though a person would be very close to his mother at all times, but it is not likely that she retains that degree of influence over his belief system. And if you're going to say, yeah, but there's this emotional tug and pull that the mother has over him, Remember, we're talking about an adult man over here. He even has children of his own who are older. The emotional pull that he has towards his mother is not as strong as it used to be. Certainly not to the point that she could drag him into idolatry. As opposed to a son, a daughter, a wife, who living under the same roof. And there's a very strong relationship and connection between them that they really could have an influence over him. So therefore the Pasuk is being extremely practical. And the Pasuk is showing us who could or who could not land up having that degree of influence. So we have a very beautiful explanation about why it is that the Pasuk only lists these particular people. What does it teach us? One lesson is, all the different levels that are listed here in the Torah, the brother, this kind of brother, that kind of brother, etc. They represent different facets of a person's internal workings. The person's attributes, personality traits, a person's intellect, etc. And we then move on from which we can understand that at every level within the internal workings of a person's own soul, there is the potential to be led astray. Which means, that means a person can never, when it comes to serving Hashem, rely simply on either their intellect or their feelings. Because they could mislead. They could be schlepped away into inappropriate places. Beyond that, even the friend who is like your own self, which Rashi, Rashi explains is your father, is also on the list. Now we know in Hasidus that the level of a father is always representative of the level of Chochma, which is Chochma is the dimension that completely rejects the possibility of Avodah Zorah completely. Kibir Rabbi Nazok in Batanya, as the Alter explains, thoroughly in Tanya. 
ואף על פי כן אין יט בואו קנאי רואו. Here in this parasha we have the lesson עד היכון עומר הכלל דלתמים בעצמך. How far one has to take the teaching of the Pirkei Avois? Don't trust yourself. שאפילו מצד מדרגס אוב. That even when you're looking from the perspective of the father within the neshama, chokhma shebenefesh, the dimension of chokhma, which is completely ibegegeven to the Ebeshna. Hine me'achashikin nafshecho, as the Torah describes, it is like yourself. Haneshe misoreves bozenegia shel metziusoi, which means that it still is tainted with just a little sense of self. You cannot be absolutely certain that you're completely immune to Avodah Because the Torah is saying that even from that perspective, the minute there's even the slightest hint of self, we're open and susceptible to being tempted. Think of it in the context of what Rabbi Nechem ben Zakkai said at the end of his life and then extrapolate and multiply it out to us. He said at that stage of his life, I don't know where they're going to take me. Even though we know that he never walked more than two meters without Torah learning and without wearing tefillin. And for over 80 years, he both learned and taught Torah. Hasidus explained that he knew that he checked all the boxes, but he could never tell how deep the connection actually went. How much more so us? And therefore, the only way that a person can protect themselves not to be tempted to any inappropriate behavior, and chas v'sholem, even rejection of Hashem, the only way is to stand with an attitude of absolute dedication to Hashem to the point of sacrifice, to completely surrender our own will, rotzen being much higher and more developed than chokhmah is, and that will have influence on all the subsequent and lower dimensions of the person. First will have an influence over the father within the system, which is Chochmah. And then all the way down through the various steps that are described by the various relatives in the Pasuk. That not only will a person feel confident that they are protected from being tempted, but instead of being tempted in the wrong direction, as the Pasuk says, We'll walk after Hashem, and we'll have awe of Hashem, we'll fulfill His mitzvahs, and we'll listen to His voice, and we'll serve Him, and we'll completely connect to Hashem absolutely as we are meant to be through the attitude of Mrs. Nefesh.